Welcome back to the Jordan Sight Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And this episode is without question the single most highly anticipated episode yet because I'm speaking with nutritionist Nick, who I spoke to several podcasts ago. If you did not listen to the first episode, please go do it because Nick reached out to me just over a month or so ago because he's been struggling with binge eating and he's been feeling very not only poorly about this because he's been struggling with binge eating, but also because he is a nutritionist. And the reality is many people struggle with this, nutritionists and non-nutritionists alike. And it's one of the things that so few people talk about. Now, in our first call, I spoke with Nick, we came up with a number of strategies to help him improve his binge eating, which, spoiler alert, he has dramatically. So I'm really excited for you to hear what worked well with Nick, what didn't work well with Nick, and how we're going to progress moving forward. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please give it a five-star rating on iTunes. Those help a lot. Huge thank you to everyone who's done that so far. And with that being said, let's get into the episode. Nick. Jordan, how are you? What's up, bro? How are you? Oh, good, man. It's been, this month has been an adventure. Holy shit. How are you? Man, I got to tell you, I am very excited about this call. Um, And probably the most anticipated podcast I've ever done. Literally have received hundreds, if not into the thousands of messages from people being like, when are you getting back on with Nick? When are you getting back on with Nick? Um, like just super excited about this. But before we go into how the month has been, how have your holidays been? They've been incredible, actually. The Just being able to sit back and relax for a couple of days has been really nice. Uh, I managed to make it out of town to see my family, which is something that doesn't happen nearly as much as I'd like it to. So it's been just overall been a great couple of days, man. How about yourself? That's awesome, man. I'm stoked to hear that. Everything has been good. It's been a relaxing holiday. Uh, yeah, just really nice staying in New York, just hanging out and doing work. My girlfriend's been working. So uh, so we're just here in New York, man, but all is good. And so, so basically, just for everyone who might not have heard the first episode, definitely go back and listen to that one first because uh, a, just a brief introduction, Nick – uh, is a nutritionist, and he messaged me a little over a month ago, just basically talking about how he was struggling with binge eating. And so we got on a call, and Nick was incredibly generous and kind and open enough to talk about what he was struggling with. And we came up with a plan um, to just go over basically how we can try to help you overcome binge eating. So. I have an idea of how the month has gone because we've spoken intermittently, but I don't know the details. And Nick, man, I would love for you to just tell me like what's been going on. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing a lot better now. I'll be honest with you. When it first started, like the just wrapping my brain around the simplicity behind, like for those who haven't listened to the first one, um, going on to three meals and two snacks, like just a, a bare bones, basic style of eating. Cause like all of, to kind of give like more perspective into the way I would arrange my plans for myself is after, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of reading, I was that kind of person where I would try to do every eating strategy for weight loss at the same time. And that's just not possible. But the interesting part about that is that you know, logically not to do that, right? Like you, you have clients and patients that you work with that like, you know, and that was one of the things that you touched on when we first spoke is that you know what to do and you know how to help other people, but you struggled with it yourself. Yeah. And a lot of that for the, the way I was feeling behind it was the, just some, the amount of like pressure that I felt because which it's entirely self-imposed, but in my head, I felt like 
I should be going a step above what's realistic. And I knew better than to do it because of course the best plan is the plan you follow. But I'd still give myself these like, ridiculous you know, plans and ridiculous goals that would cause a bunch of stress. And then the stress would lead to a binge. Dude, that makes so much sense. And also, I remember I would actually want to hear more about this as well. Is you were saying how you would update your food log so your your clients could see what you were eating as well, and that would create even more stress because you felt like you had to be a a, a good role model for them, but then you also didn't want to be lying. So there's a whole lot of cognitive dissonance going on. I mean, so so walk walk me through. In like what what did you struggle with? What have you done? Well, actually, you know what? Before before you even just go through the specifics, just let's just like in in a brief like a couple sentence answer. Are you doing better now than you were before? I am substantially. Fuck yes, dude. That just makes me. <laughs> I mean, three words. I am substantially. That makes me super happy, and I think it's going to give a lot of people hope for people who might be struggling with it, and, and maybe they're not sure if. Uh, because I know you were nervous about not tracking your calories and, and a little bit questioning of the, the simplicity of it. So walk me through, like, what happened? Like, what was the difficulties? What, what, what were you struggling with at the beginning? Like, how did you start doing? Like, walk, walk me through everything. Yeah, so when we first started out, my biggest difficulty was eating breakfast. Um, the, the day after our first talk, I think that was the first time I've eaten breakfast in almost three years. That's amazing. It's just, it's, it's something I've just never done. And I even, I had to start out with a shake, like just one scoop of protein and water just to get something in. And that was astronomically more than I'd done in years. And even, even that felt weird for the first little bit. And I remember uh, I sent you texts right around day five because I felt like I fucked up. And <laughs> <laughs> like, like already day five and in my head, like the, the amount of stress that I'd put on myself, like the amount of self-imposed pressure behind it. Cause I remember I had a day where I got called in and I had to start work four hours early and then stay two hours late that day. Yep. And I had no food on me. I, I skipped breakfast. I had a cup of coffee, like out the door. Um, I skipped lunch. Like I had my first meal at like five 30 at night, which is also my first break at work. And I remember just pounding back just whatever I could get in so I could go back to work and work three hours in my head. I'm like, damn it. I have to tell Jordan that I fucked up. And, and so and then, you told me that. And what did I say? I didn't fuck up. It happens. And then <laughs> tomorrow's a new day. And like right away, just like the, the amount of pressure that I was putting on myself just got lifted. Cause in my head, I'm like, I don't know. Like I can't logically justify why I'm putting this kind of pressure on myself right now. And that maybe started coming to that realization that a lot of these pressures and the stresses I was feeling was entirely self-imposed uh, on this desire to want to be perfect in front of other people. And realizing that it's okay not to, and that you're not, you didn't fuck up. You just had a bad day. I could not, I'm like literally have the biggest smile on my face right now, man. I could not be happier to hear this. So, so over the course of the 30 days, how many times would you say that you, you binged? I binged four times. And before that, were you, how often were you binging? And I know we spoke about that on the last call, but how often were you binging before, before our first call? Yeah, I easy three, four, five times a week, no problem. So I mean, just just this alone is such a massive win, man. And I can't express this enough. And I, and I know you know, but I have mm -hmm. to just say it because I'm so damn proud of you and impressed with you. Going from three or four times a week, at at least to four times over the course of a month. Not to mention this, and this is this is probably 
one of the most important, if not the most important parts. During the holiday season, during over the course of Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's coming up, four times, literally reduced it to a fraction of, I mean, that's unbelievable, man. That is absolutely tremendous. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. Like this is for the first time in a long time, I've been proud of myself for what I've done. That's incredible. Dude, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm so, I'm so confident in your ability to succeed going forward, just because number one, you've proven it to yourself. You've shown yourself and you've also recognized in yourself that you have this ability and you can do it. And even I think equally, if not more important, what you've done is you've pushed through the most uncomfortable aspects of it. You've taken action. And this is something that you, I know you've seen me speak about a lot is like, well, how do you get motivated to do something? Well, the only way to get motivated is to first do it. And so you were talking about how you were nervous to have breakfast on that first day. And what did you do? You just started by doing something. You just had protein and water. You started by doing something and that was enough of an action then to get more, to see results and then get more motivated to take more action. You were literally the living, breathing quintessence of exactly what is right in this world when people set their mind to doing something, even and especially when it's difficult. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it was, it was such an interesting feeling of like, I'd have to wake up and I'd have to get motivated to do anything in my head. I'm like, just do it. Like have your shake, get out the door. And for the most part, I kept like my regular habits of, you know, I'm not eating until I get to work. But where the big change happened is I just woke up and had breakfast and I didn't try not to think too much about it. I just grabbed what was in the fridge and well, in this case in the pantry, but you know, I just, just grabbed what was there and I made it happen and I moved on with my day. And even by the time I hit lunch, um, I wasn't ordering a huge lunch like I normally did, which would make me feel like crap because I had something already and I wasn't as hungry. And I already felt that small win and it just kind of snowballed from there. That's incredible. And, and so just, is that how basically the month went overall? Is there anything specific that you'd want to touch on that went either really well or that like you, you want to improve on or, or things that you think that are important for other people to know or things that were big wins for you? Um, I'll start actually with a big win. I like to start things off on a positive note or try to. Hell yeah. Um, I love it. But a, a huge win for me actually was just yesterday. Um, and me and my, my girlfriend and her parents all went out for uh, late lunch. And it was leaving that lunch was such an interesting feeling for me because I went and I had a beer um, and me and my girlfriend ended up sharing a pizza. And so I ate half a pizza and a beer. And normally when I would do something like that, I wouldn't even be halfway through lunch and I'd already be in a bad mood. Um, and I'd, I'd feel like I'd, I'd fucked up. I'm like, Oh no, I have to schedule in time at the gym and I shouldn't be sitting here still. And it kind of ruined the whole experience for me. And one thing that on my end was just such a massive win as I left lunch and I didn't hate myself for having pizza and a beer. I just enjoyed my time and left. God, that's so good. That's such a huge win, man. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's amazing. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So like, even though it wasn't, like resisting a binge per se it was just the fact that i could leave a meal and actually enjoy the meal i think this is a really important thing to discuss because more often than not if you can't enjoy the meal 
if the whole time you're spending, you're in number one in a bad mood, you're guilting yourself, you feel bad about it, whatever it is, it's more likely to lead to doing more things that you're not happy about, not proud of, because you end up thinking that you screwed up. And the fact that you can leave that meal and not only be okay with it, but actually be proud of yourself and enjoy it. Now you're far less likely to continue quote unquote, going quote unquote off track because now you're actually, you're not in a bad mood. You know, you didn't screw up and you know, you can just get right back on track and keep going. It's like, it's such a huge win on so many different levels, not just in the moment, but also for future results and progress down the road. Yeah, exactly. Like going into, or being able to leave a situation knowing like, you know what, that, that wasn't that bad. Like I got this, I'm back on track. It's fine. I think that's, that's such a huge part. Sorry, keep going, keep going. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's like, like you were saying, there's the number of times where say like I went out for lunch, um, you know, I got a meal that's quote unquote, like bad for you food, like a pizza or a burger or something along those lines. And then I'd feel like crap. So then I'd go to the gym and then it'd be a late night and then I'd end up binging. And it all started back at that first meal that I felt like crap at and just being able to walk away and not have any of that led to not binging that night and not feeling bad about it and being back on track today. That's exactly right. I think, I think so much food anxiety comes from people foreseeing a future in which they're failing and which they're going to be binging afterwards. I think a lot of food anxiety comes from if they're, they're nervous or anxious to go to a party or to go out to dinner with friends or family or whatever it is, that anxiety is coming from, they say, well, I don't want to ruin my progress. And they feel like they can't enjoy themselves, can't enjoy the food there if they're and also continue to make progress or to enjoy their food without ruining their progress. They sort of equate enjoying the, the food there with ruining everything because oftentimes they'll know afterwards they're going to go off on a binge. And I think literally just the mindset shift of taking it from a place of feeling like you're failing to knowing that you can't fail and going into it and being able to enjoy it is the switch that needs to be made, that needs to be flicked in order to actually, number one, enjoy it and have fun and 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 just have a good time and enjoy life. And also to number two, have a healthy relationship with food. So when you leave, you don't feel the need to binge because you don't think you screwed up. You know, you just had a good time and now you're back on track. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm no longer sitting in the restaurant stressing about something that hasn't happened yet. I love that. I love that, man. So, so keep going. So that, that was a massive win. Talk to me about what else happened. Um, honestly, the wrapping my head around simplicity, like I bought up, brought up when we first started, like I was the kind of guy where, you know, my clients would ask me what I'm doing and I'm like, Oh, I'm doing intermittent fasting and I'm doing carb cycling and I'm calculating how intense my workouts were <laughs> so I can get the exact amount of glycogen replenishment. And I'd add like cold shock therapy and then supplements to optimize mitochondrial density. And the, the list of ridiculousness goes on, you know, sticking 30 chicken breasts up your butt during your anabolic window after a workout. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> the, the amount of complexity that I would shove into my plans to be like, oh yeah, I know 30 different eating strategies and I'm going to talk about them by trying to do all of them at the same time. And it wasn't until about a weekend when I was sitting back and I was eating, I was having a snack I think it was like a banana and a shake. I was nothing crazy. And in my head, I'm like, I haven't tracked in like 10 days. And then just, <laughs> it clicked. And I'm like, I have no idea what I've been consuming for the last 10 days. And I feel okay. Like I'm, I'm still performing well in the gym. I'm still getting some good sleep. Like 
and it just clicked in my head. I'm like, huh, this isn't bad, actually. This isn't so bad. Dude. <laughs> and that, that was the moment of just the simplicity that can be behind it and how you don't have to do anything complicated or go over the top. Like, yes, I know how to. Yes, I understand, um, you know, all these more complex eating styles and way to optimize performance. But at the end of the day, like, what's that worth if I can't follow it or I don't feel good? That's that's exactly right. That what you just articulated there better than I ever could is exactly right. And it, it comes down to you could have the most optimal training program, the most optimal nutrition program in the world, but if you're not following it, it is no longer optimal. And that's why I think a lot of people will see the stuff that that I talk about and be like, that's ridiculous. That's not it's not optimal. Da, da. And I'm like, what is optimal to begin with? Like, what does that mean? And I think it's actually a really interesting word. When I first started my website in 2011, my slogan was and still is never minimal, never maximal, always optimal. That's like literally on my logo. Back in that time in 2011, when I was, I believe, 21 or so, um, I had a very different view of what optimal was. My view of optimal back then was always finding the the exactly perfectly written training program, the perfectly written nutrition protocol. And my view of optimal now has literally shifted on such a, on such a radical level that optimal is solely what you are able to do consistently in while enjoying it while making consistent progress. That is it. If you cannot follow it consistently, it is a suboptimal program. It is a program that is designed for failure, actually, if you cannot follow it consistently. So I, I just love hearing this because I think a lot of people get so wrapped up in this illusion of complexity, this idea that they need the most complex, the most the most ideal system, all the best supplements. People always ask, like, what supplements do I take? I'm like, none. I just, I don't. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live in a world and in a society that like fortifies all their foods that like that has like every nutrient that I need is a very readily available like in the grocery store. Um, if I was living in a different country in a third world country where that wasn't available, then yeah, maybe it would be a good idea to do that. Or if I was in a calorie deficit on a consistent basis and like supplementing m might be very helpful with certain uh, nutrients or micronutrients or whatever it is. Um, but the reality is the more simple you can make it, the better you are with staying consistent with it. And also the more likely you are to succeed on a consistent basis, which is one of the things that I think that you've done is that because it's so simple, you've been able to succeed. Whereas when it was so complicated and there are so many different components, failure was so much more likely because it's so much harder to connect all the dots when it's so simple and success is it's, it's the difference between like chess and checkers, right? Where it's like checkers, mm -hmm. just like you just connect, you just go, boom. It's like very simple. It's, and it's very easy to learn, very easy to do checkers or chess. Now you actually have to like have a lot more strategy to it. And it's like what you've done is now you've taken checkers and made it very, very, very successful because you've, you've stacked wins on top of each other and now you are a master of it and you're getting to be more a master of it over time. Like, I absolutely love it, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's such a, a massive like, disconnect in my head of the physiological effects of dieting and compared to the psychological effects of dieting. So, like, physiologically, yes, I can sit down and write out from a scientific standpoint the exact best way in every in every way 
to burn fat, preserve muscle, optimize sleep, optimize my training, then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then psychologically, I'm miserable, so I don't do it. And then nothing ends up happening, or I end off worse off than I started. That's exact. That's it, man. You're saying everything way better. That's that's it. Yeah. It's like, and this is why the psychology. It, it, this is why it has to be such a, a, a more spoken about topic and a more understood and studied topic for coaches, nutrition coaches, nutritionists, RDs, personal trainers, whoever, because it's more than just understanding program design. It's more than just understanding like the Krebs cycle and, and nutrition. Like you have to understand mm-hmm. the psychology and behavior or else what you do will not matter. I, I couldn't agree more. The, the psychological end of things is beyond – important isn't a strong enough word to to say it and so many people get wrapped up in the physiological aspect and you know adding the complications of you know this said restrictive diet or this type of meal timing or you know whatever they may be doing at the time and they're losing the they're ignoring the feelings of the client and if you feel like shit you're not going to do it like end of story if you're miserable it's not going to happen a hundred percent. So, so talk to me more about, about what happened over the course of the month, uh, both positive and negative and, and just give, give me more insight. Cause I, I love what you've said already. Yeah. So more on the, or you're going into one of a bit of a negative actually it was right. The short happened shortly after that, uh, that day where I was sitting down, I'm like, man, I haven't tracked in you know, 10 days and I, I feel great. It was about six or seven days after that. And I stepped on the scale that morning and I gained a pound, which is negligible. I, you know, I gained a pound from drinking water, <laughs> right? So <laughs> realistically, realistically, you know, I gained five pounds from eating lunch and then lose that same five pounds by the next morning. So in my head, it should be negligible. But for some reason that morning, I stepped on the scale and I was up a pound. And the first thought in my head is this isn't working. Because I'm looking at the the data behind it, I'm looking at the scale going up. I'm like, oh, if the scale's going up, you know, it's it's not working. And then I kind of started off that day off on the wrong foot, because in my head that was just another thing that I failed at. Yep. And then and I so- ended up ended up texting you, and you're like, I'm like, oh, you're like, oh, how's it going? And I'm like, well, you know, I haven't really binged, but I also haven't lost any weight. And I remember you text me back, and you're like, fuck yeah, you haven't binged. You are incredible. <laughs> and just, <laughs> and, and in my, like, I think those were exact words actually. Um, and I'm just, I remember I was sitting at work and I'm like, dude's right. Damn. <laughs> just like, I mean, and in my head, obviously, I know that not binging is worth for substantially more than gaining a pound. Like, that's, that's a negligible number in comparison to the victory that I had. And that was just another one of those things where something so minor got played up in my head. Uh, from like a psychological standpoint of just going back to those feelings of I'd failed, I'd fucked up. And, you know, taking that step back and talking to you and realizing that like it's, it's negligible, all things considered. Like I have other victories that way outweigh the trivial pieces and, you know, building that foundation is means so much more than, you know, the, the trivial things at the time. There's so much in there that's important, but Number one is is the the we'll go straight to like the the one staring right in the face, which is even though you knew that 
the scale will fluctuate up and down a number of pounds for any number of reason, it still was enough to get in your head. And, and I think it's so important for people to know that because, and that's one of the reasons why I put out so much content around how the scale will fluctuate so that people understand it. And so it becomes a much, much more less, much less emotional, a far more logical thing. Um, so I think just to hear it from your perspective, someone who is a nutritionist and who knows this, like, I think it's one of the reasons people are so invested in your story and, and, and hearing about what you're doing, because people assume that people who study nutrition and, st- and are personal trainers, they have it all together. It's one of the reasons why I'm, I, I will never tell somebody don't ever, ever do a figure competition, but I'm, there's also a a very significant reason why I will never coach someone through a figure competition. And, Mm -hmm. and it's why I'm pretty, pretty adamant about people really giving it a strong level of thought before they decide to do it. Because even though there are some people who get contest level lean and do figure competitions and they have a healthy relationship with food, they are the outliers. It is not the norm for people to go through that level of dieting and strictness and rigidness and come out without any level of disordered eating. Uh, and I think a lot of people see that and assume, oh, well, they could do that. And they just don't – they just assume that they have this very healthy relationship with food. So to hear that you also have – that you even struggled with the scale throughout this process despite knowing it, it helps people when they go through that emotional response because it can be like, wait, hold on. I know this is an emotional response. I know the scale is going to do that anyway. And also hearing about how you and I interacted in terms of understanding, well, hold on. Yeah, the scale didn't go down, but let's look at what what other data we're looking at. Like you didn't binge at all in the first like 10, 15 days, whatever it is. Like that's that's what we're focusing on. That's what the whole purpose of this is. This is like I, I got a question in the last couple of weeks, someone being like, why do you tell people so much to focus on being optimistic when they're dieting? Like, what does optimism have to do with any of this? And I'm like, optimism has to do with everything, not just dieting. But, and, and a lot of people confuse optimism with happiness. They're not the same thing. Optimism and happiness are two separate things. I would never, ever tell anybody to be happy all the time. That is ridiculous and ignorant and and it's impossible. It's not healthy either to be happy all the time because it means you only have one emotion. But when I say to be optimistic, it means to find a reason to keep going forward. That's literally what it means is find what you've done well. Find a reason to keep trying because when you really break any situation down, you can either – keep trying or quit. That's generally the basic, the basis of how things work. Yeah. You could try another method. That's fantastic. But trying another method is still trying, right? It's like you either have the opportunity to keep trying or you give up and nobody has ever looked back and said, you know what? I really regret trying ever. No one regrets trying in any situation. And so that's why I think it's so important to focus on the reasons to on on the reasons why you need to keep trying. And in any situation, that is always going to be what have you done well? What has been a success for you? And you really look at this and break it down in that situation, it's easier to go towards the pessimistic side. Oh, I gained weight or I'm not losing any weight. But then we need to consciously come back to, bro, you haven't binged. This is astronomical. If you had told me in the first 10 days that you binged twice, that still would have been astronomically incredible. 
if you had told me in the first 10 days that you binged once a day every day, I still would have been able to find a reason why it was incredible because at least you were trying. At least you were pushing outside. If you had only had breakfast but you still binged every day, at least you were having breakfast. And this is all hypothetical. I mean the fact is you only binged four times over the course of 30 days and it all started from you having breakfast and pushing outside your comfort zone and trying. And one of the, I think the most important aspects of being a coach is instilling optimism within your clients is it, and not just instilling it within them, but teaching them how to find it themselves for when you're not there. And hopefully that's what like I want you to keep doing over and over again is find the optimism, like search far and wide for it until all of a sudden, before you know it, Optimism is the biggest thing staring you in the face until there's so much optimism. It's, it's like the sun where you need to put sunglasses on just like and then cover your face. There's so much optimism. You can't look anywhere without seeing it. Like that's what I want for you and for everyone is just always find the optimistic route because that's really the only route you're going to be proud of. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And especially for, you know, for the people who, you know, they're trying to have an optimization plan, not just a not just the the optimism where they're going to be facing a, a lot of hardships or especially people who you know compete in sports um where dieting for longer periods of time and going through longer periods of time where it's going to be it may be hard it may be difficult or your goal could be to lose 50 pounds and that far from happens overnight um and just finding things that you did good and not getting wrapped up in the small things and like even for someone for myself like you said it as just as well as I ever could. It's just, I know just as well as anybody in the, in the fitness world and any professional that, you know, a pound on the scale is negligible. I mean, I, I've had people lose 10 pounds in a day for a photo shoot. I'm like, Hey, switch <laughs> to eating pear. Yeah. I literally like switch to eating pears, have a really hot bath. And then everything comes out and you're down 10 pounds. So it's the numbers on the scale are negligible. And even though I know that, I just spent you know, a good six, eight hours of my day so wrapped up in a negligible number and just being able to you know, come out of that and switch the thinking towards, fuck it, I did good, period. Hell yeah, man. That's I love that. It's incredible. So so tell me more about the month. Like, Is there anything else that like you definitely want to talk about, things that you found as more learning experience or things that you found that like did really well or that helped you a lot or or maybe you know like what not to do going forward? A big one for me was actually letting go of the the social pressures. Um, so naturally, every one of my clients and my friends and my family listened to the first podcast. <laughs> Everyone. Because I'm, I'm not going to lie. When you messaged me and you're like, do you want to jump on a podcast? I fangirled and told everybody I knew. <laughs> I, was just, I was so stoked that I, I had that opportunity. And I'm like, this can't be real. There's no way this is happening. So I tell everybody. And then after I told everybody, I'm like, shit, they're going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone who knows me has heard the the first one. And the number of texts I've gotten, they're like, dude, you binge eat? Like I had, I had no idea. Like I, I didn't know that, you know, you went through these struggles. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And actually like a big one was my girlfriend. Um, she listened to it and she's like, why have you never talked to me about this before? And letting go of the social stress of that desire that I had to try to be perfect in front of everybody because of what I do for work um, brought in a whole other bound of happiness to me of not feeling that pressure of like when I go out I have to eat perfectly and I have to be tracking my food and I have to be making it to the gym and you know for all these other people and I mean even now I'd 
there was one part of me where we finished that podcast afterwards. And I'm like, how many thousands of people are now hold that I don't know are holding me accountable to stick to this three meal, two <laughs> snack thing. And like, if there was even a part of me that felt pressure from that of like, man, people have like thousands of people I don't even know are going to listen to this and be like, that guy better do it. <laughs> and I'm just in, inventing this social pressure from all these different angles and a lot of a huge step forward, at least for me personally, especially in, know the job that I do of letting go of that need to look perfect in front of everybody and be like you know what I'm human mistakes happen I like to enjoy myself when I can and being open about it has been worth so much more than I even imagined before we first started this man this might be the single greatest takeaway of this entire thing and and I don't say that lightly I think and for a number of reasons but this can be applied to so many aspects of life. And and I've had this discussion before, and I've always hesitated to say it publicly on a larger platform like this because I know people will hear it and they'll get upset when I say it, but they're only going to get upset because they might not fully understand what I'm saying. So really like what I'm about to say, it, it makes me nervous to say it because I know some people will take it out of context, but it's really important for me to say it and to, to speak what I very much believe to be true. A lot of the societal pressures that we feel from people that right that we feel that society is putting on us that society is put like for example when you felt like this this pressure in terms of to uh, to eat a certain way or to look a certain way or to be a certain way or when people feel pressured by society even like for example I see right now a lot of a lot of people on social media my age group getting married and having kids and all that stuff all of these societal pressures that we feel are realistically, if we break it down, insecurities. And that's what they boil down to, right? That's, that's, and people are going to get, some people get very mad when I, when I say this, and I, I am just waiting for the comments on it. But if you really take the ego out of the equation and think about what I mean when I say this, societal pressures are really our own insecurities projected onto other people. What we assume other people will think about us, what we assume other people want us to do. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't pressures from individual people. For example, I mean, if we're going to the marriage marriage relationship or marriage example, like your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, whoever might say things that are completely, completely and utterly inappropriate, they might judge you, they might say, well, you should be having kids earlier, but that's not a societal pressure, that's a pressure from one individual or maybe from several individuals in your life. Societal pressures tend to be more insecurity-based in which you're projecting them on other people, and they could actually stem from relationships and people in your life that you've interacted with in the past. But we have to understand that on a societally-based level, if you're doing things out of a fear or not doing things out of fear, it's usually based off of your own personal insecurities that you need to address rather than assuming other people are going to be judging you for it. It's the same thing when people like they're scared to go into the gym. Well, I don't want to be judged. Who's judging you? Like it's all based off of this insecurity, this fear of being judged or fear of of being uh, thought poorly of or whatever it is. And I think this is such an important thing to discuss. I'm so, so glad this was huge for you because – when your girlfriend listened to it, she was like, why haven't you spoken to me about this? She was very open and I'm assuming she was very encouraging and helpful about it. Yeah. She's, she's been incredible through the, the entire experience. And I just told her, I'm like, look, this is what's going to happen. I need to, to focus on myself. And she's like, why don't you come to me sooner? And just 
hearing that and hearing how much support really was there just made me start to rethink like I've invented scenarios that don't exist and I've invented things people haven't said yet and then I stressed the fuck out about them and just sitting back and realizing I didn't have to do that what about what about your clients that listen to it they were they were very similar I mean I've had clients who are like hey if you want to like you know take a break for a month and we can you know, go back to coaching next month and like take some time. Uh, the, the the amount of support that I saw from it. And they're like, just hearing from people that it's like, dude, you don't have to be perfect. Like we never expected you to be like, we're, you know, we're just stoked you're helping us. And hearing the amount of support from so many people and just learning to let go of that social pressure that I invented. Cause like in, in my head, like, like I scroll through Instagram and I see, you know, coaches who are 6% body fat all year round or something ridiculous like that selling plans. And in my head, I'm like, well, I'm nowhere near that. You know, what, like, like I said, the first time, like what puts me in a position where I should be helping these people and then coming out and just being honest with everybody and, and upfront with you know, friends and family and clients has taken so much pressure off of me to the point where I can get myself together and start working on my own happiness without putting that stress on myself. Dude, yes. <laughs> yes, that is it, man. I, I remember like there were a couple things you were very nervous about. One which was stopping tracking. Another one was having breakfast. And another one was like what people would think in terms of like if you stopped if you stopped uh, tracking on MyFitnessPal and having people see it. It's like what you just said even about scrolling through Instagram and seeing the the coach with the six pack and the shredded abs, whatever it is, and being, well, I'm not like that. Even that, there there's absolutely an argument for saying like, that's sure, that's a societal pressure. But if we break down, well, what is, what is a societal pressure? Like, what does that mean? If you really think about it, just the way you framed it is perfectly said. It was like, you felt pressure because it was an, you were insecure about it on your part. That person didn't do anything to you in order to make you think you were lesser because of it. It was because you saw that and you compared yourself to that individual in that image, which very well likely could have been altered. But even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter. So much of what we fear is an insecurity that we project onto others. And I think you've done an amazing job of realizing this and calling yourself on it. And just like you said, telling the truth and putting yourself in a situation in which people could hear what you were going through. And realistically, like I, I talk about it a fair amount. Uh, I think in, in, our, in our society, we've been hearing more and more about mental health and mental health matters too. This is a major part of it, right? A major part of mental health is being open and honest with what we're struggling with. And of course, it's easier said than done. We can say that in every situation. And anyone who listens to my podcast will know I say this basically every episode. But just because it's easier said than done doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And what you did is the perfect example of what happens when you push outside your comfort zone, you don't care what anyone else will think, and you still come out and you tell the truth and be honest about it. And surprise, surprise, so many people have come out to show their support for you. And in, in a very in a way that I'm assuming was probably a little bit surprising, maybe you thought your clients would be disappointed or maybe you thought your girlfriend would be disappointed. But so many people have come to your side and said, like, we're going to support you through this. Yeah, like that, that's been such an incredible feeling. Like the, the 
pressure that I put on myself, like like you mentioned, of just thinking of what other people are going to say. I mean, so much of me was expect like expecting, and I'm now thinking back, I'm like, well, that was ridiculous. But um, you know, I'd expect it to say, tell my clients, or they're like, well, if you can't, you know, take control of your eating, why am I hiring you? Right? Like, what makes you think you know what you're talking about when you can't even control your own eating and get your own dieting in place? Like, why are you telling me how to do it if you can't do it? And that's what I thought in my head. So I'm like, fuck, I have to, you know, look perfect in front of these people and I need to be tracking my meals and I need to be on top of things. And in reality, I wasn't. And that's, I just felt like I was lying to these people and I felt horrible about it all the time and coming out and realizing that they didn't think that. Like they understand I'm just a guy. Bro, I love this. I'm like so beyond happy and proud of you and impressed with you. Uh, and I'm going to keep asking basically like we could talk about this for hours, but it, feel free to be like, yeah, that's it, dude, I get it. <laughs> but like, is there anything <laughs> else that like that you either loved or hated or did well or, or want to improve on things else that you also think would be helpful for people to hear? Off the top of my head, no. I'm Perfect. Sure if I, I'm sure if I like write and wrote notes or something instead of doing this off the top of my head, I could probably come up with something. But I mean, the, the biggest thing for me personally to this whole thing, and I can't reiterate it enough of just sitting back and focusing on being happy. Like I, I mentioned earlier, there's the physiological effect of dieting and then there's a psychological effect of dieting. And I've spent so many years of my life ignoring the psychological side of just pretty much saying like, fuck my feelings. This is what you have to do. So let me ask um, you this. Sorry, sorry, keep going, keep going. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, so like just spending years of saying like, fuck your feelings. This is what you have to do. And then in that compounding over time, just over and over and over again, like it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. And then it reached the point where, you know, after my injury, I'm 40 pounds overweight and I'm binge eating on a regular basis. And I hate myself every time I touch food. And it's taking that step back and looking at the the other side of things and like you know what how i feel it really matters like it's worth so much more than just trying to have the perfect diet or the perfect eating style or you know what i look like in the mirror and what the scale says and of course a lot easier said than done it's it's hard to try to not care about those things but you know this is one of the first times in in a very long time where i you know i had to push the science that i know to the back burner just focus on how I felt. That's such an important message. Uh, such an important, important message. Let me ask you this. So over the course of the last month, what was like around your net weight gain, loss, maintenance? Was Did you go up a bit? Did you go down a bit? Did you stay the same? What was that like? Um, actually, I, I pretty much hovered around the same weight. Um, one of the things that I mentioned to you since I started doing this is the the size of my meals went up a little bit. So like I'm doing a slightly bigger lunch, a slightly bigger dinner, and then that's negating the hunger so I don't binge because then I don't reach 10, 11 o'clock at night you know, sitting on my couch by myself starving because I had such a restrictive lunch and such a restrictive dinner trying to lose weight. Um, and then with that, I just kind of ate around where I was hungry and when I was hungry. And then when I was satisfied, I just stopped. That is so huge. It, it's so simple. But it's so huge. And and it goes back to having breakfast, right? Where it's like people who tend to binge eat will tend to restrict throughout the day because they almost know they're going to binge eat at night and they want to save enough mm -hmm. calories for it. But 
and it's it's one of the scariest things to do. But by eating more earlier on in the day, you are so much less likely to binge because you're not hungry. It's it's one of the most important things that people can understand when they're struggling with this, and it's simultaneously one of the hardest things to to break the habit of. Like you said, you hadn't eaten breakfast in what like three years, or like it's but eating earlier and having bigger lunch and bigger dinner has prevented you from binging later on at night. Yeah, exactly. It was just you know, stepping back and setting myself up so I wouldn't, you know, best case scenario of not failing. And then learning that when I did mess up, it wasn't as bad as I made it out to be before. And tomorrow's a new day and we can be right back on track again and learning not to hate myself for it. Now, the other thing, the other thing that I think is it cannot go overlooked. And that's why I want to emphasize it right now. Mm -hmm. It's the holidays. It's the time of year in which many people say, screw it. And they go off and they eat a ton and they gain a lot of weight. It's actually, and there's a lot of research around, they call it clumping, right? Where calorie clumping, where different times throughout the year, where it's the holidays or birthdays or vacations, whatever, where people will eat significantly more than usual and they'll gain weight in these clumps. And that's how oftentimes people will gain for like five, 10, 20 pounds a year is in these, these brief periods of clumping. One of the reasons you were nervous is because I said, you're not going to be tracking your calories. You're going to do the three meals, two snacks rules, uh, three plates, two snacks. And I think anytime anyone has tracked their calories for a long period of time, they get nervous at this because like, well, how am I going to be able to achieve my goals if I'm not, if I'm not actually tracking my calories, but not only did you not track your calories over these 30 days, but it's the holiday time and you stayed the same. You didn't gain weight when most people, even if they're tracking their calories, gain weight over this time. So then by the time the new year comes, then all the fitness marketers can come out and try and like prey on their insecurities and their fears and say, oh, you just gained all this holiday weight. Let's like get it off now. But like now you are literally, you have a healthier relationship with food, a more optimistic perspective. You haven't been tracking your calories and your weight stayed exactly the same in a time of year in which it is the easiest to gain weight. It's like, that is so unbelievably incredible. It's like that, that has to be a cornerstone of this discussion for people to really understand. You didn't track your calories. You built a healthier relationship with food. Your weight stayed the same all during the holiday season. Like that is incredible. Yeah, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Going into Christmas dinner, not tracking was in one way, one of the weirdest things, because it was the first time I hadn't tried to track every calorie on that plate before I ate it. <laughs> and in like in in oh god, I can't remember the last time I wasn't sitting down at the table with my entire family on my phone on my fitness pal. Like, okay, that's looks like six ounces of turkey, and then that's probably <laughs> four hundred grams of potatoes, and then I have two tablespoons of butter, and the the list goes on, and I'm just trying to to figure it out and. I sat down and I didn't have my phone on me. I couldn't track it. And in my head, I remembered you saying, whatever you want, one plate. And it just resonated in the, in the back of my head because I sat down for dinner and I'm like, I can eat whatever the hell I want, but I get one plate. 
and then I sat down with my one plate and I ate it and it was amazing. And I just enjoyed my time with my family and I didn't go back for seconds. I didn't triple down on dessert. I just sat down and enjoyed myself. God, dude. And that's... on one hand, it was weird breaking the habit. But on the other hand, like, I enjoyed a holiday meal where I wasn't trying to math out the carbohydrate intake. <laughs> <laughs> Man, legitimately, like, chills running down my spine just hearing this because it's one of those things where this is a radical transformation in a very brief period of time when all odds in many cases would seem to be stacked against you literally going into the the hardest time of year and it actually it's one of the things where for example during like my calorie cycling challenge for example i think a lot of people were were number one surprised like fitness people don't usually launch stuff around this time of year because it's especially during the holidays because like fitness like you're not going to make any money during and i don't like i'm not trying to make money i'm trying to have people enjoy the holidays without fear of anxiety or a fear of food it's like i think it was one of the the biggest benefits of of doing that challenge around this time of year and also seeing your personal experience with doing it this time of year as well is because when all odds seem to be stacked against you you all you do is implement a very simple a very basic strategy that will push you outside your comfort zone but if you do it and you stick to it you will succeed and i can man i can't even begin to tell you how proud of you i am and how impressed with you i am and how confident i am in your in your lifelong success henceforth it's like i i could not begin to express in words how excited I am for you and now how many more people you're going to help both yourself and also your family and your friends and your clients. Like I just, I could not be happier for you and I'm so excited to hear how the rest of it goes, which actually leads me to my next question going forward and not just into the new year, but in general, like, are you going to change anything? Are you going to keep it the same? What are you thinking? Um, as of right now, uh, just cause I know I need to cut off some of that weight I gained since my injury. Um, I'm going to go back to tracking calories, um, I'm, but I'm going to do it in the way where I'm going to sit down and write out three meals and two snacks at around the calories I think I should be at, and then eyeball it for the week. Because like I, I know what serving sizes are, so I'm going to maintain what I'm doing and then just look into adjusting my portions to get myself into a caloric deficit Okay. versus so just eating whatever. So are you going to do that every day? Like, how are you going to, how are you going to be doing the, this calorie tracking in terms of, are you going to be making the meals the night before? How's that going to work? Um, well, actually as a current, I think I have like 15 meals that I pre-made up in my freezer just because my work is so busy that I don't have time to cook every day. Um, Amazing. So you're going to pre-make the meals, like have like a meal prep day? Yeah, so I'll just have a day where like I get ready for the week because like where where my week falls off normally, like where my eating falls off, is I have a day that gets super busy at work, and then I skip breakfast, and then I don't have a late lunch or I don't have lunch at all, and then I'm going out for dinner and I'm hungry and I get in like I mean oh God, I can do two and a half thousand calories in a sitting. Oh yeah, and easy. When, like no, no problem. And when I'm sitting at a desk all day, I, I know better than to do that. But by the time I get to eat, I'm so hungry. And if I just sit back and like, you know what, if I get 20 containers in the freezer with a meat, a veggie and a carb in there of all foods that I enjoy and I can just, when I'm in a pinch, it's always there. 
and it takes no time at all. I love that. And, and so walk me through, does that mean in terms of when you're, I, I could not possibly support meal prepping more. I think it's incredible. I think it's smart. Um, in terms of calorie counting, are you going to make sure that every single meal is weighed and measured and you're just going to know exactly how many calories are in every meal? Not really. Like kind of, um, you know, I, I know that a third of a cup of rice is a serving, so I'll just use the one third cup measuring cup as a scoop when I'm portioning rice out into it. Um, I eyeball meat all the time. I know about what five ounces looks like. Um, and when it comes to this kind of meal prepping, I know that provided I'm taking enough protein, so I'll you know, most likely just track my protein and then I'll, I'll play the rest kind of by feel for the first little bit because I, you know, I don't want to derail the relationship with food that I started building by reintroducing the stress of having to weigh out every single thing that goes into it and just being able to get back into meals that I like meals that I prepped where I know where they're coming from. Um, and then just vaguely dialing in my portion control until I'm losing weight again. I think that is the best plan. And, and I will say, when you first said that you were going to be tracking your calories, I was a little bit like a little bit not nervous, but I would say, okay, like curious about if that's the best idea going forward. I would say I I'm all for the meal prep and I'm, and I know you're incredibly well-versed in like eyeballing. And I think that's very smart. Um, I would say doing all of that and more so just tracking your progress in terms of, tracking your progress in terms of weight on the scale and in terms of like your measurements and all of that. And then tracking your, your consistency in terms of consistency with hitting these meals in terms of your like, rather than actually tracking your calories, honestly, I wouldn't even track your protein. Um, and you can say, fuck off. Like you could, like, I'm not going to do what you say. I would, I would say you've made a very, a, a tremendous amount of progress in a very brief period of time. I would say going back to any form of tracking now wouldn't be inherently bad, but it would be sooner than I would like. And what I would love to see what happen is either in 30 to 60 days, you and I get back on a call and we analyze your consistency and we analyze your progress, both with relationship with food and also with weight loss. And I think this is going to be very helpful, number one, for you, but also for other people to basically see the progression of number one, developing a healthy relationship with food and number two, developing, developing a healthy relationship with food while losing weight, because this is one of the biggest questions that I get. And I'm sure you do as well is, well, how do you develop a healthy relationship with food and lose weight at the same time? And for me, it's sort of the same question of, well, how do you build muscle and burn fat at the same time? Well, it's like when you want to build muscle and burn fat at the same time, you're not doing that in a single workout or a single day of nutrition. Usually what you'll do is you'll spend X period of time, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks losing some fat, then a brief period of time in maintenance, then a brief period of a certain period of time, eight, 12, 16 weeks in a bulk. And you go back and forth like that to optimize the fat loss process, optimize the weight gain, muscle gain process. So at the end of six months to a year, you've lost fat and built muscle but you're not doing it at the exact same time. And I would say it's sort of the same thing with building a healthy relationship with food and also losing fat is first you build that relationship with food, then you focus on fat loss. And I would say, I think just from what you've said and you've spoken to me about, you've definitely built the base and foundation for a healthy relationship with food and also probably healthy relationships in all aspects of your life, just being able to focus on the optimistic side. I would say before you go back into calorie counting, 
How about we just focus on the three meals, two snacks, meal prepping, by all means, go for it. But I wouldn't be tracking protein or tracking calories yet. What do you think about that? I can agree with that. Um, but before we jumped on this call, obviously I thought of about how I want to go forward. And as of right now, yes, I really want, I've obviously I want to lose weight. Uh, I want to lose fat. Um, but at the same time, I was sitting down and thinking, okay, how do I approach this without reintroducing the stresses that caused me to fall off the bandwagon before and develop that bad relationship with food? That, uh, and that's that's the I'm question. Right? Getting, yeah. And then you're know, getting out of picking up fast food or, you know, ordering something from a restaurant um, or, you know, skipping meals. I'm like, all right, well, if we just start where, you know, I set myself up where I still eating the foods that I like, I'm still eating comfortable serving sizes, but at least I'm cooking it at home. I love that. I, I think that's perfect. I would say, and, and I want to know your opinion on this. How about for the next, for the next, we'll call it, let's look at the next 30 days. I think that's a, a okay. good time frame again, 30 days. No tracking calories or protein. What I, all I want you to track is your consistency with three 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 meals and two snacks. That's it. Just track your consistency with that on a day to day basis. Um, we'll also track your weight, and I would like you to track your measurements as well, um, okay. and and pictures. So by the end of the month, I would say it would be. I would say, uh, uh, how tall are you again? Uh, five foot nine. Five nine. And you're how how much do you weigh? Uh, this morning, two hundred and twenty-four pounds. Two twenty-four. Okay. Um, I, I what I actually wanted to start with is saying just the fact that you maintained weight over the course of this last month is such a huge win, man. And like with the holidays and with everything, and I I, I would assume there were times in which you know you said you had there were four binges, but I would assume there were times just because of the holidays and the foods that were around, like it was easier to be in a calorie surplus over certain times. So how about for the next month, the next 30 days, we'll only track your consistency. We're not going to track calories or protein, track your consistency with three meals and two snacks. And, um, and then we'll check your weight and your measurements and your pictures, just starting from tomorrow morning in the end of 30 days, I would say if you have an average of about anywhere between like two pounds loss to six pounds loss over the next 30 days, that would be tremendous anywhere in that range. Obviously four being an average of a pound a week, but just track mm -hmm. daily your weight, your measurements and your picture, your pictures every, every week, uh, your weight every morning before you eat, uh, after you pee poop, all that whole scenario. And then, um, and your, your measurements, I would say every, usually I do every two weeks, but every week is fine now as well. When you do your pictures, the reason I'm saying every week is just because it's, it's number one, it's just four weeks, but it's also really cool to have a more frequent picture so that at the end of a year, for example, you can take them all and almost make that like flip book, like a just go through and see like the yeah. week to week. So let's do that in 30 days, track your progress, see how it goes. I would bet that you'll lose anywhere between two to four pounds over the next month at least. And without tracking any calories, without tracking any protein, I would bet your performance in the gym will continue to improve. And let's just look at that. And then we'll reassess in a month. Yeah, we can do that. Are you okay with that? I can work with that. Naturally, my brain's going insane because I'm agreeing to do something that goes against everything I know. <laughs> but Because in my head, it's like, 
oh, like obviously if you're going to do this challenge, you're going to do way better if you do like intermittent fasting and, you know, did like carb timing and calorie cycling, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like in my head, I'm like, oh, he's telling you you got to lose weight and you're taking pictures this time. Like, don't look like a dumbass and actually lose weight. But at the same time, I also know that it's worth so much more right now for me to work on my own relationship with food than to try to go back to being perfect. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That that is a hundred percent exactly right. Where, I mean, realistic, dude. Let's say you don't lose any weight over the next month, but you, let's say you binge twice. That's yeah. that's that would be unbelievable progress. But I guarantee you, dude. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put like I'm gonna like put this out there right now. I guarantee you, you're gonna lose weight by the next time we talk. I guarantee it. Like, I just know, I know for a fact you will, because what's going to happen is you've already started to develop a healthy relationship with food. You're not going to track the calories. You're not going to track your protein. What you're going to do is, is you're going to start making sure that your meals are much more full of very nutrient dense foods and a lot more veggies. Like I would say like salads and vegetables and fruits, like have as much as you want for right now. Like like if you want to have an apple, like I would just have an apple. If you want to have a big salad before your meal to fill up, by all means do that. The salad doesn't count as part of the plate, but you're going to end up eating more fruits and vegetables. You're going to eat more of that stuff to fill up. I guarantee you, you're going to lose weight while you develop a healthy relationship with food. I know it. Like I'm, I could not be more confident in it. And I'm very excited because this first, first month was almost a surprise to you in terms of Number one, like you started to eat breakfast. Number two is you've binged a fraction of the amount of times that you did before. You have a much healthier relationship with food. Now you're going to do that while you lose weight. And it's going to be, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, this is so simple, so easy. It's literally just adding more nutrient dense foods and like continuing to eat a big breakfast every day. Like, I could not be more confident that's how this is going to play out. And I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to see how it all goes. I mean, even I'm still to the point where I'm having a hard time believing the amount of progress I made in such a short period of time, um, just from a mental standpoint. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. So every morning after you weigh in, and I know you know this, just like just for the sake of saying it, weigh in in the same circumstances, wake up, uh, pee, poop, then you weigh in before you eat or drink. Text me your weight every morning for the next 30 days so I have it in my phone and so that we can go through it. I can do that. Cool. Do you have any questions or anything that you want to clarify? Nope. I'm all set. I'm excited. I'm really excited, man. I'm, and I'm very blessed and very grateful that, that I have you as a friend and I have you as someone who's being so willing and open to go through this process openly for other people to learn from as well, because as, as overwhelmingly happy as I am, to see you making so much progress, there's also that that underlying factor that I know that so many other people are being helped by this. Dude, I, and I, I know I sent you some, but the amount of messages that I got after our first call were unprecedented. It, it was just unbelievable how many people were impacted by it. And I think documenting this process of you developing a healthy relationship with food while achieving your body composition goals is going to be something that people will come back to for years and years and years and always look to you as someone that they, that is inspired and that someone that has helped 
literally thousands of people, which actually, if you'd like, and you don't have to, if you don't want to, do you want to share your Instagram or share your social media so if people can follow you along in this journey? Like, and you do not have to, if you don't want to, but you're welcome to do that now if you'd like. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. Um, do you want to follow me on Instagram? Uh, it's Nick under N I C K underscore Bowman B O W M A N N. If anyone's interested in following me, I'll try to post like once every couple of days and let everybody know how I'm doing. And, and just so you know, you, you do not have to, uh, especially if you feel like that's going to create more stress and more anxiety, but just like you found out from the first call is like the more, this is one of the reasons I love social media. This is one of the, and this is getting in a whole separate conversation. I've already had you on the phone for an hour. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but a lot of people ask me, how do I not get burned out of social media? And I think the reason I don't get burned out is because I really try and do my best to tell the truth about whatever it is I'm going through. I think a lot of people get burned out when they feel like they have to put on a persona or put on a fake bravado or a certain charisma or like this, this idea of an expert. It's like the more honest you are with your strengths and your weaknesses and what you're going through, I think the less and less you'll burn out because you're not pretending or hiding anything. So if you do end up posting more, continuing to be just as open and honest as you are with me now, I think it's going to be the best thing for you and everybody watching because I think it's it's just going to help a ton of people and it's going to prevent you from getting in this mindset that you have to be perfect all the time, which you don't. Yeah, and that's going to be huge. And just real quick, man, I want to thank you again for letting me on this. Like, I got into this industry to help people and, you know, to, to your entire audience, to the people who sent thank you messages, like, the happiness that it brought me seeing those is more than any of you can fathom. And I appreciate every one of you and yourself included, Jordan, so much. Um, I mean, I, to be 100% honest, the morning that I woke up and you sent me two screenshots of people saying that they were in similar positions that I did. And from listening to our podcast and just knowing that they weren't alone, like it, it choked me up a little bit. It brought tears to my eyes of just having that outreach and having this opportunity to help people grow and understand that, you know, the situation that you're in, that you're, you're not alone and we can work for this and just being open and honest and upfront and building that support team. Um, it's just bringing so much into the world. Like I'm a firm believer that no one should be in a position that they can't be healthy. I'm a firm believer of that. And I think what we're doing right now is incredible. And I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes and to have, you know, hopefully everybody listening, they get a little, they achieve their goals and they get where they're going and you know they're happy and healthy in this world. I couldn't agree more. And, and you continue to, uh, to impress me beyond belief. And I, again, I'm very lucky and blessed to have you in my life. I can't wait for one day when we can actually get together and meet in person. Uh, but for now, I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm excited to track your progress over the next month, both emotionally and also physically and, uh, and also psychologically as well. But Nick, thank you so much. Happy holidays. Have a wonderful new year and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah. You as well, Jordan. Take care. Thank you again. Bye day. my man. Bye-bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the mini podcast. Thank you so much for listening and huge thank you to Nick for coming on and being open enough to speak about this. It really is tremendous and I really appreciate it, Nick. Again, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. They help a lot. Huge thank you to everyone who's done that and left a written review. They mean the world to me. In the meantime, have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon.